Thank you, Reverend. Good afternoon, folks. Are you happy? Merry Christmas to you. Isn't it wonderful to come together and celebrate Jesus on Christmas Day? And uh, hasn't the cast done an incredible job of that, uh, that production? It's just been amazing to see. I love Christmas time, and so do many of you. Christmas is a great time when we come together with family, we come together with friends, we eat lots of food, and we give each other presents. Amen? It's a joyous occasion. And then, of course, on January, the ho-ho-ho turns into woe, woe, woe when we have to work off that Christmas uh, tummy that we've put on, go on our Christmas diet, and then our credit card bill comes in the mail, and we have to pay for our Christmas presents as well. But it's all good, isn't it? Amen. But uh, how many people like me felt that Christmas came too quickly this year? This year just went too fast, didn't it? You know, they say if, if you feel that Christmases are coming quicker every year, it means that you are getting old. Because when you go over the hill, it's faster when you go down the other side, right? But uh, one of the bonuses of having lots and lots of Christmases is they say that people who experience more Christmases actually live longer than everybody else. So I reckon Bring on the Christmases. Amen. It's wonderful. But looking back over 2016, some of us have had a great year, a good year. Some of you, the year is over too quickly. Perhaps you have some unfinished business. For others, maybe it's been a, a very difficult year, perhaps a year you wish never happened. Maybe you've had a tragedy, maybe a disappointment, unfulfilled dreams. Maybe your hopes have been dashed throughout 2016. Maybe you put your hope in people and people have let you down. Perhaps it's a relationship that has broken. Maybe a marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your children or a sibling has gone wayward and, and things just seem terrible. In fact, it seems like hope of restoration is gone you're feeling pain this Christmas time. Maybe you put your hope in a program. Perhaps you've been struggling with a sin. Maybe it's a, it's a habit or an addiction. And you've been going through something to try and help you get free from that, trying to change, but it's been difficult and you're feeling rather hopeless. Maybe you put your hope in medicine this year. Maybe yourself or a loved one have been struggling with an illness and you've tried the medicine and the doctors have done everything that they can, but still you're no better. Maybe you've lost hope. Perhaps you've put your hope in investments this year, but instead of going forwards, things have gone backwards and you've lost your life savings and hope of recovery seems slim. Maybe you're hoping next year is going to be better than this year was. Well, if that's the case, you are not alone. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the Bible it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And everything that God created, He said it was good. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And on the sixth day, God created people. First, He made man. And seeing that man was alone, He thought He would make a helper for man. And when he brought her to man, man looked at her and said, whoa, 
man. And God said, that'll do, and called her woman and said it was very good. In fact, he said it was excellent. And Adam and Eve, they lived in paradise. They walked and they talked with God. Everything was perfect until the day Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And they listened to and agreed with the devil. And then they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God had commanded them not to do so. And in so doing, they gave dominion to the devil. And then the devil's reign of terror began. Disease, discord, death and destruction began to ravage the world and everyone and everything in it. The majority of mankind became evil and hearts uh, went away from God, but all hope seemed lost through the years, through the centuries. So God called a people to himself and those who had hearts towards him, he, he blessed them and he used them for his purposes. God's people conquered the nation, the land of Israel and the promised land and kings ruled over them. But then because of their continued disobedience, they also were conquered. But God had a salvation plan. And it wasn't just for his people to save them from their enemies, but it was for everyone in the whole world to save us all from the consequences of our sin. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And as it says in one of the most loved scriptures in the entire world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 2,000 years ago, and you've seen it already in dramatic form today. 2,000 years ago, God sent an angel, Gabriel, who came to a young virgin by the name of Mary, who was engaged to a man called Joseph. And the angel told her that she was highly favored by God, and he wanted to bless her. And while she was still a virgin, she was going to become pregnant, bear a child, and she would call the child Jesus, whose name means Savior. Of course, Mary, like many, would ask the question, how would this be possible that a virgin could have a child? So the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God will overshadow you. So the baby will be holy and will be called the Son of God. And as you can imagine, Mary's fiancé, Joseph, would have found this hard to believe when Mary came to Joseph and said, Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph said, of course, Mary, when we get married, we're going to have lots of babies. She said, no, Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. I'm pregnant. Joseph's like, Mary, you're pregnant? How come you're pregnant? Who's the father? Mary says, it's okay, Joseph. The father's God. Joseph's like, yeah, right, the Father's God. And the Bible says, being a good man, he was going to break the engagement quietly so not to disgrace her publicly. So the Lord himself appeared to Joseph in a dream and said that the child was conceived of the Holy Spirit and that you were to call him Jesus and that he would save people from their sins. He would also be called 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the game changer. No matter how bad our life has been, no matter what sort of a year you have had, no matter how bad you have been yourself or how bleak your outlook may be, Christmas is a reminder that we have hope. And we have reasons for hope. And the number one reason is that God is with us. We are not alone. Our friends may abandon us. Our spouses may leave us. Our children may run away from home and never want to see us again. But in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. One translation says, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. I've left home in Australia, my dog called Jazz. You'll see up here on the screen. He's a beautiful Labradoodle, 40 kilograms. He's a big boy. He's like a living teddy bear. But he wants to be with me all of the time. If I'm in my lounge room and watching the telly or worshiping God, he will be lying on the floor in front of me. Most of the time he's asleep, barking in his sleep and running in his sleep, but He's there beside me. If I go into my office and work in the office, he'll come into the office and he'll lie on the floor behind me. If I'm in the kitchen, he'll come into the kitchen. Of course, he's a dog. He wants something to eat. If I'm having my dinner, he's lying on the floor beside me. He puts his head on my feet while I'm having my dinner. If I am going to go for a walk or go for a run, all I need to do is start putting my shoes on and he starts dancing in circles because he knows it's walk or run time. If I pick up the car keys, he gets so excited because he loves going for rides in the car and he looks forward to going. And if he doesn't get to go with me, He gives me that look that only he can give you. You know, he wants to be with me always and can't understand why I wouldn't want to be with him always. You know, God is like that. God not only wants to be with us always, but when we've given our life to him, he is with us always. Even if we're trying to run away from God, the Bible says that uh, he's always there to guide us and to comfort us. Psalm chapter 139 verse 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God is with us. Amen. What a wonderful encouragement. What a wonderful hope we have. The second reason we have to hope at Christmas time is that God is for us. You know, some people think that God is a big meanie in the sky just looking for an opportunity to punish us. But in John chapter 3 verse 17, the Bible says, if God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might through him be saved. And when we have a look at that word saved, it's incredible. It says saved from the penalties of judgment and from the evils that try to keep us from deliverance, to heal, to make whole, to rescue and preserve us from danger and destruction and to keep us safe and sound. Wow, how incredible to know that he has come to be 
for us in all of these ways. He's a good father, a father who cares. He's loving towards us. He's looking out for us and he's looking for reasons to bless us and ways to bless us. God's plans for you are for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And if you're sick in your body, he is the healer. We saw in the, in the presentation, many people testify, and we can read through Scripture the incredible miracles that Jesus did, healing people's bodies, even raising the dead and multiplying food and, and uh, walking on incredible miracles. And Jesus continues to do miracles today. And he works miracles through those who have faith in him. And many of us have seen a miracle. And many of us perhaps have prayed for someone. And a miracle has happened. Ever since I was a boy, I believed that God is a God of miracles. I grew up in a home with a mother who was a partner with evangelists. And so I saw magazines from the evangelists with miracles and pictures and into our home. And an old lady used to come who had a healing ministry. She'd pray for the sick and I'd watch miracles happen in my house and hear stories of miracles. I'd watch evangelists preach and, and one evangelist had a book, How to Heal the Sick. So I bought the book and I read it and I thought, I'm going to pray for the sick. So I started praying for the sick, and miracles started happening. And I saw miracles, and I've seen miracles happening all over the world. It's been so wonderful. In fact, just early this year, I was back in New Zealand in my hometown. And a little boy called Logan, who was about eight years of age, came running up to me in a meeting. He said to me, you healed me. I said, Jesus healed you, but tell me what happened. And his mother came along to tell the story. Little Logan, the year before, I had prayed for him because he had holes in his lungs and bad asthma. He couldn't walk 100 meters without gasping for air and collapsing on the ground. Not only that, he had dairy allergies, so he couldn't eat a lot of different foods without having all sorts of reactions. And he was deaf in one ear. And so I prayed for little Logan, but when I came back this time, he was healed of every single one of those ailments. He's a normal little boy. He's running races. He's eating ice cream. Praise God. Jesus heals. He heals today. And if you need healing in your body, later after the meeting, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive your own Christmas miracle, whatever that might be. You know, if your life is in danger, we can have the encouragement from the Scripture that God is there to rescue us. He is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Another reason we have for hope at Christmas time is that God is in us. When we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, He comes to live inside us by His Spirit. And the Bible says we are then born again. We receive a brand new nature. We become a new person. And with God living inside of us, we have a strength that we didn't have of our own. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, as Paul declared, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so can you. You can overcome the flesh through Christ who lives in you. You might have thought, I've struggled with this thing for so long. But there is hope for you, and Jesus is your hope. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, this is spoken of as the glorious mystery of Christ in you. The hope of glory. 
What do we mean by the hope of glory? Well, it has two meanings. And one is that the whole nature of Christ, absolute, perfect, personal excellency of Christ being manifest within us throughout this life. We are being changed into glory, into His image from glory to glory as we are living here on this earth. But we also have what we speak of as our blessed hope, which is the return of Christ in His glory. And when that happens one day, and it's going to happen soon, when Jesus comes back, the Bible says the dead in Christ will be raised and we will be changed in the twin of an eye. We will be just like him. And there was a, a silversmith who refined silver. And when they refine the silver, they, they, they take the, the raw product and they apply the flame. They apply the heat and, and, and melt the silver and burn out the impurities. Impurities rise to the surface, get burned off and, and scraped off and burned off and A silversmith was asked the question, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He said, oh, that's easy. It's when I can see my reflection in the surface of the silver. All the impurities have gone. And what an amazing picture this is of the work of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit working in us, transforming us into the image of Jesus. And the Bible says that He will complete that which He has started within you, perfect that which He has has started within your life. He is at work transforming you. He's in you to help you live a victorious life and become more and more like Christ. Isn't that awesome? Amen. The fourth reason that we have for hope at Christmas time is that God is good to us. Amen. How many people have discovered that God is good to us? You know, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord who provides or the God who provides. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, in fact, it says, God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. Imagine if you were invited to the home of a king to have Christmas dinner this Christmas. What sort of a Christmas dinner do you think a king would put on for you? Do you think it would be a little bit of McDonald's? Maybe some order in pizza? Or some last night's dinner, refried and put on the table in a dish? I don't think so. I think you'd come into a big banquet hall. And there would be a massive dining table with so much food upon that table. Tasty morsels and delicacies that you've never seen before. And you would go and you would start eating a bit of this and a bit of that. And you would gorge yourself until you had a stomach like Santa Claus. In fact, you'd probably keep on eating until you needed a wheelbarrow to carry your stomach home after that feast. And it would not even look like you have taken anything from that table. Why? Because he was feeding you according to his riches, not according to your appetite. So we can be encouraged by this when God supplies all our needs according to his riches. It's not just limited to our needs. There's a great abundance. That's what way much more than we can contain, way much more than we can hold ourselves. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God will generously provide all you need, and you will always have, you will have plenty left over to share with others. See, God is a good God. 
He's a giving God. He wants to give to us. He wants to bless us so that we can give others and that we can bless others as well. What an amazing God. I love the way God works and I love the principles of Scripture when it comes to giving and being a blessing. You know, every promise that God gives to us in His Word, He backs up with His name. Everything that God says He will do, He will do. His promises cannot be stopped by people. It cannot be stopped by inadequate medical help. It cannot be stopped by the state of the economy. It cannot be stopped even by our own weakness and frailness. Jesus is the hope of salvation. And we can put our hope confidently in every promise that God has made toward us. And Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and steadfast. I traveled to New Zealand quite a lot, and I was in New Zealand around Christmas time, just after Christmas a couple of years ago, and we were going fishing in the Queen Charlotte Sounds, a beautiful place, and, and uh, we, we had the boat out there, and we'd been trolling around a little bit. I had my line in the water that the, the pastor whose boat it was hadn't put the anchor over because we were trying to find some fish but suddenly the wind got up and suddenly the sea became very rough and we were just close to an island and there was a lot of rocks nearby and because we had no anchor he thought we better quickly start the motor and get away because we're drifting towards the rocks but he couldn't start the motor and he started panicking he couldn't get that motor going and so he went to the the little spare motor that he had, that little pull motor, and he couldn't get that one going either. And we were getting closer and closer to those rocks. It looked like we were going to be shipwrecked. But I had my line in the water. I was trying to catch fish, but I caught the bottom. And I hooked onto the bottom. And my fishing line was the very thing that anchored us and stopped us drifting against the rocks and being smashed. And we were able to rest, call a, uh, another boat and a big boat came and, and hooked up to us and towed us away from there before we actually came to ruin. Praise God for that. But I was fishing in New Zealand. I was preaching in New Zealand, I should say. Uh, same difference. But I, I was preaching in New Zealand another time at Christmas time with some churches. And I went out fishing with, a, with another man who had a, a nice boat, and he had one of those GPSs on the boat, and he found the spot, which he said is a very good spot. And he says, when you see the GPS and the profile of the, uh, the depth sounder, the fish finder, you've got the profile of the bottom of the river of, of the ocean, and he says, when there's fish there, you'll see a little green tinge around the bottom of the ocean. Now, we came to this valley, we anchored right so that the boat swung and sat over a valley. And when we looked at the valley on the fish finder, it wasn't just a tinge of green. The whole valley was a green mass. And when we started putting our fishing lines into the water, we caught so many fish. I mean, it was incredible. Your line would hit the bottom and you'd have to pull it up straight away with two or even three snapper on the line. And you had to drop it down fast to get it through the other fish that were near the surface because they were good fish too, but not as good as the snapper. In two and a half hours, we caught 86 snapper and uh, we went and smoked those snapper and we ate them and it was very nice, I can tell you that. But you know, 
The thing is, we have the hope, which is like the anchor for our soul. And it's the anchor that will keep us from drifting away from God and our life becoming shipwrecked. Not only that, the anchor will hold us where we can freely access and pull into our lives every blessing of salvation that God has in store for each one of us. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to finish with a story. And the story is told of a man who inherited a fortune. He got such a great fortune, he decided that he would, he would invest his fortune into priceless works of art. He bought a mansion and, and he bought Monets and Picassos and Rembrandts and lined the walls of his mansion with these priceless works of art. The man eventually fell in love with a beautiful young lady and they got married. As time went on, she fell pregnant and the time came for her to give birth to the child. Unfortunately, there were complications. And during the birth, she lost her life. The, the, the baby was healthy. It was a son that was born to her. And the, the father, the wealthy man, poured his love into the son. In fact, the son in some ways reminded him of his, of his precious wife. The son grew. When he became a young man, the rich man got a portrait painted of the son. Now, it wasn't painted by a famous artist, but it was painted by an artist who was able to do very realistic likeness. And so he painted this beautiful picture that looked perfect, just like a photograph of the son. And the father loved that picture so much, he put it up in the center of the ballroom in amongst all of the other great artworks that were there. The time came where the nation went to war. And the young man was drafted into the army and he went and served in another nation on the front lines of the war. He would send letters back to his father. And when the letters came, the butler who had been there with the family for many years would read the letters to the father as he sat in his chair and looked at the portrait of his son up on the ballroom wall. Time went on, letters came, but eventually a letter came. It wasn't from the son himself. This time, sadly, it was from the commanding officer. And the son had lost his life on the front lines of battle. Of course, the father's heart was broken because he loved his son so much. He never remarried and time went on. And of course, eventually he died. And because he had no heir, no children, no heir to his fortune, after his death, his, his great art collection and his assets were to be sold. So art collectors came from all over the world. They came and they gathered in the ballroom of his great mansion, hoping to get a great priceless work of art, a Rembrandt or, Rembrandt or a Monet, something just for the portion of its true value. The auction began. The auctioneer got up and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, the first painting that we are going to auction today is right in the center of the ballroom. It's the painting entitled The Sun. And there came a grumble throughout the ballroom from all of these art collectors because it wasn't painted by any great artist. It wasn't of any great value. And they said, eh, what are you auctioning that for? Let's get on to the real paintings. Let's get on to the proper auction but the auctioneer insisted and said, do I have a bid? 
for the painting of the sun. Nobody offered a bid. So he said, will anybody give me $1,000 for this portrait of the sun? There was a little old man up the back who had happened to be the butler who had served in that house for many years. He knew who the son was and he thought maybe I could scrape up a thousand dollars and I could buy this picture and keep it for myself. And so he raised his hand and he bid on that painting one thousand dollars. The auctioneer said going once, going twice. He brought his hammer down and said sold to the gentleman at the back. And then he said ladies and gentlemen that ends the auction for today. Everybody started grumbling and shouting out, what do you mean? How can this end the auction? You haven't even started to auction the real artworks. And the auctioneer said, ladies and gentlemen, there was a very specific clause in the will. And the specific clause said this, the picture of the sun must be auctioned first. And whoever buys the painting of the sun will receive the entire art collection as a gift. Wow. That butler became a very wealthy man that day simply because he bought the, the portrait of the son. And that gives us an incredible picture of what is available to us in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, the Bible says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Hallelujah. We've got a good God. A good God who has got so much in store for each one of us. He is a God who is with us. He is a God who is in us. He is a God who is for us. He is a God who is good to us. And He is a God who wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. And if you have not yet said yes to this God. You have not yet said yes to Jesus Christ, God's Son. Receiving Jesus Christ and receiving all of the benefits of salvation that comes with it. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I want us to stand to our feet. Each one of us, wherever you are in this auditorium, if you could stand to your feet right now and just remain quiet for this moment, if you could. In the earlier service and last night, Many people raised their hand and many people prayed a prayer with me, receiving Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, having their sins washed away, being completely forgiven of their sins and having the assurance that they would spend eternity in the presence of God in paradise and also knowing that you will have Jesus walking with you and living in you and living through you in this life here on the earth. So I want to also give you opportunity this, in this service. If you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Savior and made Him your Lord, I want to give you this opportunity right now. In fact, I'd like us all to close our eyes, bow our heads in this room, wherever you are right now. And if that's you, you'd like to do that. You'd like to take that step. You'd like to be included in a prayer today saying yes to Jesus, receiving the forgiveness of your sins and the promise of salvation while every eyes closed, while every head's bowed, whether you're young or old, whether you're rich or poor, male or female. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, right now, I want you to lift your hand up and give me a wave. 
anywhere in this auditorium, raise your hand just as others have in other services. Quickly now hold your hand up high and wave it to me. Hold it up high quickly wherever you are in this auditorium right now. Come on, hold those hands up. You're saying to me, yes, I would like to receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. Many people in the early service raised their hand. Who else is there in this service? Quickly lift your hand up high right now. Let me see those hands. Wave to me. It's a little bit hard up in the balcony. You wave to me. Quickly hold your hand up while every eye is closed, while every head is bowed. Just wave your hand to me quickly now. Let me see that hand. Where are you? Up the back there. You wave to me if you're saying yes. God bless you. Okay, I see your hands there. That's awesome. Anybody else in this place? Quickly wave to me. You're saying, yes, I would like to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, to receive the forgiveness of my sins. Where are you? Give me a wave. Give me a wave quickly. Quickly give me a wave. Maybe for you today, you are one who once prayed a prayer. It might have been a long time ago, perhaps when you were a child, or it may have been in recent years. You may have asked God to forgive you of your sins. You may have asked Him to be your Lord, but you walked away from Him. And you've allowed sin to come into your life, and it's tangled your life up. And you know you're not walking right with God. You know you're not right with Him. And this Christmas time, you're feeling compelled and you, and you want to come back into relationship with God. You say, I want to give my life back to God. I want to receive Jesus again, have a brand new start this Christmas while we all have our eyes closed, while we have our heads bowed. If that's you, if you're saying to me, yes, that's me, I want to come back to Jesus this Christmas. Please quickly now lift your hand and give me a wave wherever you are. Hold your hand up high. Give me a wave. I see hands over here, over here. Who else is here? Hold your hand up high. Give me a quick wave. You're saying, yes, I'm coming back to Jesus this Christmas. Who else is there? I'm sure there's others in this place this morning. Maybe if you're a Christian and you've brought a friend to the service, why don't you give them a nudge right now? And say, hey, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to connect with God. And we're not going to do anything crazy, but we're just going to pray with you. We're going to lead you in a prayer. And so encourage the person beside you. Maybe you need to grab their hand. Say, hey, do you need to get saved today? Turn to the person beside you now. Ask them that question. Go on, you do that. Say, do you need to get saved today? Do you need to receive Jesus today? If they say yes, you say, come on, let's raise hands together. You, put, you take their hand, you raise their hand, you give us a wave together. Who is there? Come on, let me see those hands. Lift them up high. You're saying, yeah, I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. One more question I want to ask you is this. Maybe... You think you're right with God, but you're just not sure. You're not absolutely sure. You want to have the assurance of your salvation. Well, once again, while we have our eyes closed, our heads bowed, you want the assurance of salvation. Please give me a wave. Let me see your hand right now. You're saying to me, hey, I want to have the assurance. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see those hands, hands up the back. You want that assurance. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. A number of hands being raised saying, I want that assurance of salvation. That's wonderful to see. There's been quite a number of hands being raised around the place this morning to receive Jesus, to come back to Him, or to have that assurance of salvation. And so what we want to do right now is pray for you, okay? And, and we've got something also that we want to give you. We want to connect with you if we have not already connected with you. And so what I'm going to do, the team is going to sing a song right now, and I'm going to just 
open this area down the front. And for those of you who raised your hand, or maybe you felt you should have raised your hand, and maybe I didn't see you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to quickly come to the front. Those of you who are connecting with God, who are receiving Jesus as your Savior, or coming back to Him this Christmas, I want you quickly get out of your seat and start to make your way forward. You can come now. Don't wait for the team to start saying, come quickly, come now, wherever you are in this auditorium. If you're with a friend, maybe you could bring your friend or ask your friend to come with you. Say, hey, let's go together. Can you come with me? You bring your friend Ask that person beside you, do you need to go? Come on, do that, Christian. Christian, turn to the people around you. Ask them that question. Encourage them. You know something? We can encourage people to respond to God by responding to God ourselves. Or we can encourage people to respond to God simply by asking them, hey, do you want to receive Jesus? People are coming from the balcony. People are coming from the auditorium. Just come on. Don't wait for everybody else. You come. You come. If you know you need to receive Jesus, if you know you need to connect with Jesus, quickly come now. Quickly come now. Don't wait for others. You come. You be, you be out amongst the first that come. It's wonderful to see people responding to Jesus. Christians, you be praying right now. Christians, you be praying. Don't just be observing. Be praying and, and supporting what God is doing. Souls are being saved. There's a battle going on in the heavenlies right now. But why don't you lift up your, your voice in prayer as people are responding, as people are coming to Jesus this morning. It's so wonderful to see people coming to Jesus. And Lord, we bless you for salvations today. We bless you for people who are coming into the kingdom of God. People who are going to have their sins completely washed away. Lord, we thank you for it this morning. We bless you for it this morning. You're so good. God's so good. Listen. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a little bit more of an opportunity. People are still coming. And some of you might be thinking, oh, he's dragging this out. Let me tell you something. This is the most important decision anybody could make in their entire life. Amen. And most of us who have already made that decision know what it means to have said yes to Jesus and put our life in his hands. And so I'm not going to close the door quickly. I'm giving people opportunity. But let me say one thing. Some of you may be thinking, well, okay, I put my hand up, but why, why should I need to go to the front? Well, you know, the Bible says this. If we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior before man, then He will confess us before the Father. That's before God. Now, why, why would He need to do that? Well, it's because the devil is the accuser. And when we face God on Judgment Day, the devil's accusing us of all of the sin that we have committed and trying to get God to reject us. But if we have responded to Jesus like this and publicly acknowledged Him as our Lord and our Savior, when the devil accuses us, Jesus says, excuse me. I have covered them with my blood. I have paid the penalty for every one of their sins. They have confessed me before man. They are mine. They are saved. Amen. So it's a good thing, isn't it, to confess Jesus before others, to publicly acknowledge Him as our Lord and as our Savior, as many have done this morning. Isn't it wonderful to see people respond to Jesus? Let's put our hands together, shall we, right now, for these ones who have taken this bold step. We're going to do a couple of things right now. I'm going to first lead you in a prayer. 
And then we're going to pray for you also. And then there's some people here who are going to help us. They're going to just, uh, they've got something that they want to give you and pray a little prayer with you and uh, just connect with you as well. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And as I lead you in this prayer, I'm going to ask you to pray after me what I pray. And in fact, I'm going to ask everybody who's here to pray this with me also. Every Christian, please pray this to support and encourage those that have not yet received Jesus. And maybe you felt you should have come. Maybe you felt your heart pounding in your chest. You know, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I will have a relationship with you. I want to know you and walk with you. And perhaps you're feeling your heart pounding in your chest even right now. Let me encourage you while we pray this prayer, when we pray it, mean it from your heart. Don't just let it be words out of your mouth. When we say it, don't just repeat it like a a mindless prayer, but really mean this from your heart. And as you do, God's going to hear it. He's going to respond to it. And the Bible says your sins will be washed away. Jesus will come to live inside of you by the Holy Spirit, and you'll be born again. You'll have become a new person, have a brand new start. Isn't that wonderful? Having all your guilt and shame just washed away like that, and you'll be made righteous before God. So come on, we're going to pray this prayer. Everyone here, you pray this. Everyone also support us. Let's pray it together in a loud voice right now. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have a good plan for my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for my sin. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. And I turn away from it today. I give you my life. Come and live in me. Help me to live for you. Help me fulfill the plan you have for me. Thank you for cleansing me and saving me and giving me a brand new start. I love you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's wonderful. It's wonderful.